for the third time. Third time in Phoenix Suns history. This franchise, this team, has won 62 games. Third time. The 1992-1993 Charles Barkley-led Phoenix Suns. To 2004-2005, Steve Nash led Phoenix Suns. And now, Matthew, the 2021-2022 Devin Booker-led Phoenix Suns have achieved the goal of 20, 20, 62 wins. It's nine games in a row for the Suns. Nine games in a row. They're 62-14. and 14. They defeat the Gold State Warriors in a strange one up there in San Francisco. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the nine-game winning streak, you asked, I think we were asking each other, how many games are they going to win to finish the season off? Or how many games are they going to lose? Excuse me. I said one, I think. I don't know if they're going to lose another game closing out this season, honestly. The way they've been handling these games, I've seen everything this year, right? I've never seen a game like this. Yes. Definitely a uh, long four-hour game. It's what it felt like. It felt like you were watching (laughs) a National Football League game. You're like, okay, halftime. Uh, the third quarter took forever. A lot of fouls, a lot of emotions in this game, rightfully so. Yeah. These are two of the top teams in the NBA going at it. And typically when that happens, the emotions are high. Sprinkle a little Draymond Green in there, and it's always going to go long. But yes, uh, a very emotionally charged game that felt like it was going on forever. Uh, and it's interesting because I remember you and I sat there and we 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 looked at the schedule. And we started naming off the teams that the Phoenix Suns would have to play. And we just kind of gave up on it. It's like, you know what? It's, it's a one game at a time mentality for the Phoenix Suns, as it should be for the fans. And all we got to do is focus on the next one. And we'll talk about the Memphis Grizzlies that are coming up on Friday. But in order to get win number 62, we had to go through Golden State. And I don't care if they don't have Stephen Curry uh, it's still a competitive team. They have their emotional leader in Draymond Green out there. They have Clay Thompson. They got Jordan Poole, who, who dropped 38 points tonight. So a, a challenge indeed, but plenty to talk about on this version of the Suns Jam Session podcast, isn't there, Matthew? Oh, yeah, there's a lot. And uh, Jordan Poole filled in just fine tonight. So sure, we'll talk about that, dude. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So welcome, ladies and gentlemen, fellow Suns fans. To the 62nd time that Matthew and I have come on live after a post game or after a game for the post game and talked about a win. 62 times we've had a chance to do that this season. Welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're consuming this content. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew. At Matthew Lissy. Make sure if you want to become a an elite jamster, go to the YouTube channel, hit join. We released our start bench and trade jersey number one earlier this week. I th- spent a lot of time putting that together. It's taking some old audio, putting some video to it. I thought it really was uh it turned out great. And you're only gonna get that if you are an elite jamster. If you want to uh donate to the show via the super chat while we're live on YouTube, we appreciate it. And, of course, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I do have one to read at the end of the show. Another Jamster showed up, showed out, five stars, gave us that five-star rating on Apple, and then gave us a review as well. So we appreciate that. Uh, Matthew, it was a weird game tonight, correct? It was. Okay. So I've got this Cutwater Strawberry Margarita. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. This is a 10% thing. (laughs) I have a feeling this thing's going to taste fucking weird. So I'm going to pop it open, take okay. a sip, and you guys are going to get my reaction live here on the on the podcast of me drinking this thing, uh, taking the first sip. Because I'll tell you what, I had the Mai Tai one, and it was gross. So pop it look, you got it, Suns fans. Yes. All right. This thing's 10% alcohol. So let's see what a strawberry margarita tastes like. <sighs> You're going to faceplant, huh? 10%. Oh, God. It's gross. Oh, Oh, mine's good. Nice water. Oh, okay. Mother Earth. Oh, Coors Light. Oh, there we go. Mm. Do the intro. Do the intro.
107 to 103 for the Phoenix Suns. A four-point victory in Golden State against the Warriors. Which brings me to my first question. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask the same question that Black Sunday asks in the chat, who gave us $2 in the Super Chat with this question. I think it's a good one. Guys... Why do the Warriors give us so much trouble? Do we actually have um, this season? Have we had trouble in the other games? We I split feel like they won. 2-2. Okay, okay. Um, we won one where Devin Booker left during the game. We lost another one, uh, and then we lost the Christmas Day one, and then we yes, won yes, this one. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, and that was the Christmas Day was when uh, we were kind of comparing what would happen at the end of the year. These two teams, they wanted to meet in the playoffs, but now it just seems like the Warriors wouldn't want anything to do with the Suns. So you come into this game, and you're just like, this is an easy win, right? But no, mm-hmm. it's not, because Jordan Poole, like I said, is filling in for Steph Curry very well. Finding him defensively was very tough with the Suns tonight. I just think the Warriors, they, they, they have this little quiet rivalry between the two, and we talked about, remember when Draymond you know, was coaching up plays, uh, I think, three years ago. And ever since then, it hasn't really worked out for the Warriors. Huh. But they play the Suns tough. It's always like this kind of thing, like, you know, the Cardinals and Cowboys, they have a kind of a rivalry, even though the Cowboys win them all the time. So I just think this is something where they get up for it. And you're going to get up for it against a team that's going to win 62 games in the season. You want to give them your best. And that was their best. Yes, that was, given the circumstances. Steph Curry's not playing, but Jordan Poole, was playing and he filled in for Steph very nicely. So any conversation about how, well, this is a Steph Curry less team when Steph Curry is playing, Jordan Poole is not getting, getting the playing time. We saw that once clay Thompson came back. So he essentially played the Steph Curry role tonight. Okay. Seven of 15 from beyond the arc for Jordan Poole, 11 of 22 from the field. He had nine rebounds. He had seven assists and a steal. He more than played the Steph Curry role tonight. So to anyone who wants to say, well, you know, we barely won this game and they didn't have Steph. We're screwed come playoff time. I'll say this to you and I'll answer Black Sunday's question. Why do the Warriors give us so much trouble? They didn't tonight. They didn't give the Suns any trouble. The Suns did not put forth a serious effort against this team. That's a fact. Look at go, go back. Watch this game. This was a vanilla game. This was like the Arizona Cardinals playing preseason football against the opposition. They weren't running any sets. They were playing just high screen and roll and a lot of isolation basketball tonight on both sides of the of, of the court. They weren't overly engaged. And it was Monty Williams, in my personal opinion, playing chess rather than checkers. This is a team that, with this victory for the Phoenix Suns, pushed the Golden State Warriors to the four seed. That could potentially be a matchup somewhere down the line in the NBA playoffs. Okay, if they win, if the Suns win the first round, they're going to get the winner, I think, of the four or five seed, right? That's how it goes? Yep. Okay. Yep, four or five. Okay, so if the Warriors win that four or five matchup, guess what? This is a second round matchup. So why would you so close to the end of the season when you're – You've clinched the entire conference. You've clinched the division. Why would you put forth an effort to try to blow this team out and to run those sets that are going to put things on film that could be to your detriment come playoff time? Watch this game. Devin Booker, not a great game, but he doesn't care about the MVP conversation. He cares about winning, and it's not winning this game. It's winning in the long term, winning the winning the war, if you will. It just so happens that the Phoenix Suns are so good that even with a vanilla offense, they won this game against the Golden State Warriors. That's my observation. Yeah. No, that's perfect. And I, I totally agree. And like Kate, Kevin Durant, I think, said today or yesterday, you know, someone asked him, what are you trying to work on with your team to improve till the playoffs start? And he said, just stay healthy. That might be something yes. the Suns are doing. You don't want to bench these guys yet. You want to get the record. But still, you're kind of coasting your way through this. You know, I might be sitting here. I might be yelling at my TV like, DA, try a little bit harder for that board. But why? Why am I doing that? Why Why do I care? This guy, I don't want him to injure himself. You know, even Mikhail, the last one second of this game, the last 1.2 seconds, excuse me, mm-hmm. he like grabbed the back of his heel. I'm like, oh, sh- what was that? Yeah, I know. You, you, I know. you, you worry You're about watching stuff those things. like that. 
And if things like that happen, if there is an injury, it's like, that's what God wanted. So the God didn't want us to win anything that he, he wants us to suffer. So I want them to continue to play, but efforts like this, right? Defensively, you can't go all out. I mean, I'm like, why is Torrey Craig not closing out on Jordan Poole? Yeah. You yeah. know, let that guy hit the 30 footer. If he makes it, then that's that's the way it is. And I just think that's the way the Suns have to play now. And we we respect that, right? We're still gonna get 63. Of course, we respect that. These next two games, the Warriors, or you know, this game tonight and the Memphis Grizzly game, I guarantee you, Monty's talking with his coaching staff and with his team and saying, Listen, guys, we're gonna play and we're gonna be competitive because that's who we are, and we can't turn that off. Because the moment you turn that off, you don't know if you're gonna get it back. But at the same time, we're not going to show them anything. So guess what? We're going to play the Grizzlies on Friday, and I expect much of the same from the Phoenix Suns. They're going to be very vanilla on offense. They're not going to be running their sets. Do you know what play they ran like six times, I felt like, tonight? It was pass the ball inbounds to Mikael Bridges on the elbow. He fakes the handoff, and he slips and goes to the basket with the basketball. Like, I saw that play numerous times tonight. I'm like, okay, they have like five plays they're running here. Everything (laughs) else is high pick and roll. And it's uh, it's isolation basketball. So, I mean, I noticed this in like the first half because the, the Suns, if you looked at it in the first half, really kind of played like shit. Uh, they shot 36.5% from the field. They were 19% from beyond the arc. Of their 52 shots, 21 of them were from deep. Essentially, what they said is we're not going to be going into the paint and trying to play physical down there, driving to the hoop and putting ourselves in a situation in which we could be hurt. What we're going to do is seeing that the Golden State Warriors are seceding the three point line and they are putting all their effort in to try to stop anything down low, i.e. DeAndre Ayton, because he's oversized on uh, Draymond Green. They're like, Suns shoot threes all day. And the Suns were, the Suns were four for 21 on a lot of wide open shots. They were still up two at halftime. You know, if they had made six more of those, two more of those, two more of those, they're up eight, and nobody's talking about it. But they weren't hitting those shots. They weren't hitting the shots that were allotted to them because I feel like they weren't necessarily fully engaged. On the flip side, the Warriors were unbelievably engaged in this game. They're fighting for playoff seating. They're they're fighting for the for the right to party, right? They're fighting. Mm-hmm. For That's what their I thought right away, the, I saw that in the first half. You know, <laughs> they're fighting for a chance to say that they've beat the Suns three times. No other team has beat the Suns twice, and they're the only ones who have. They could say, "Well, we've done it three times," and have some sort of mental edge going into the playoffs. But what I think is important, especially for the Warriors, when they sit down with Steve Kerr and they watch the film of this game, Steve Kerr and the Warriors are going to realize, "Shit, they didn't even give us their best punch, and they beat us." The mental game that Monty Williams played tonight, potentially in the playoffs, is something that is going to be huge for the Suns, in my personal opinion. Yeah, and it sets them up for like a nice ending to the game where it's totally different. Um, you know, the missed shots from the Suns that they usually make, even clutch mm-hmm. book at the end, you want those to go in because you still want the MVP talk a little bit. You want them to go of in. Course, just to get the of course, of course. You want them to get the 26 points. Um, but the turnovers by the by the um by the Grizzlies, by the Warriors were actually something that you know kind of counterbalanced it. They it made they made sure that you know I'm gonna keep trying to follow and keep this game close. And I, it wasn't anything the Suns were doing. I it might have just been the Warriors too excited to play against the Suns, too excited to be like, hey, we might go up a little bit here. And then they just kind of pulled back. I think they had like that seven point lead and the Suns came out and just closed it like that, like nothing. So that just shows like you know when it matters when they want to keep it close. They come out of the timeout. They score six quick buckets or six quick points, and it's Mm -hmm. just a close game again. You know what I mean? So they pull them back in, and then the Warriors are just kind of sitting there like, all right, well, let's let's just hope that these threes go in and try to hold back on turning the ball over. But that wasn't the case because the Suns kept – their defense, too, towards the end for the Suns in the last five minutes – it did pick up a little bit. It yes. did pick up offensively. Like the Suns, Chris Paul, you forgot he was even playing this game until he made the big buckets in the end. So yes. they had to pick it up a little bit just to get the win. But honestly, I know you're talking about like this wasn't all that much of an effort. I still think it was a little bit at times, but what I noticed is like there wasn't a lot of hot-headedness, if that's a word. It's not a word. From Jay Crowder, right? They're trying to get yes. under Jay Crowder's skin. Nothing's there. Booker, eh, nothing really. He went to the halftime a little upset, but there wasn't anything to where it's like, man, these we might get a technical out here. It just didn't get to that point because the Suns know this game isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, to them it wasn't. And again, they still won the game. I mean, 
this is part of the Suns experience, right? Like the moment we play the Warriors, everybody on Twitter, Facebook, in the chat is all emotional about the outcome of this game. And the Suns really, I think, did a great job of not showing their hand and still won the game. They still got win number 62. You know, how many turnovers did the Golden State Warriors have? 24. 21. 21. 21 to the Suns, 14. And the Suns scored 29 points off of those turnovers. So, yeah, they could have scored even more off of those. But, again, it was missed layups, and that was both ways. I mean, both teams were missing layups left and right. Uh, But I really think that, you know, the way that the Suns adjusted in that last five minutes, it was close. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this game and and the reason for so much dissidence is the fact that there was – 20 times the lead changed 21 times the game was tied it was back and forth the entire game and the phoenix suns ultimately come out victorious uh because of their mental toughness not making mistakes and as uh walter lazo one of our lead jamsters says in the chat he says the play of the game was a half court shot with seven seconds left by jordan Poole. <laughs> he just <laughs> launches it from that. yeah yeah trying to draw the on. foul you know so why not just get a three-point shot but what is that right there? What that is, is the lack of mental toughness, if you will. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a young player not understanding the situation. Accountability. We'll just come up with like words. Uh, uh, I, I said dissidence. That's a good word. Holistic. Yeah, let me write that one down. How do you yeah, write D-I-S? I have no idea. Just Google it. <laughs> um, you know, so I mean, again, I think that you, you look at this game and it, it's hard to take a lot away from this game. And I'm okay with that. Uh, it's like Matt Maya says, he just gave us four ninety nine in the super chat. We truly appreciate that. He says, Suns didn't even try and the Warriors with Curry couldn't be any better than they were tonight. Not worried at all. And I agree with that because again, Jordan Poole put up such a great performance. You can't tell me that they would have beat us. If Steph Curry was out there, that he would have been better. Cause defensively he's, we know Steph Curry ain't it, you know? So no, I know. Yeah. I mean, I'll um, ask you, I'll ask you that Matthew. Are you worried about the Warriors if we have to f- play them in the playoffs? I honestly, me personally, I'm worried about anybody we play. We True. can play the yeah. Spurs in the first fan. round, and, and we'll probably sweep them, and I'll be super upset. Everyone's worried about Paul George coming back. It's like whatever. I don't really care about that, but I'll still be worried. It doesn't matter. And honestly, if Steph was there, the Suns might have lost. They might have. Who knows? But the way Clay played tonight, too, where you know he's just doing things where he just looks like a shell of himself still yes. on the court with those little mid-range pullbacks. Uh, anything off the dribble, it just doesn't look good. Everything was very long tonight for him. Uh, that just shows me like he's not ready. I mean, the whole thing, how they're out of sync because Jordan Poole had to go to the bench. Now he's back starting because of Steph Curry. Like all of that's going on. So I'm just glad like the Suns are just ready for the playoffs. A lot of these teams, including, like I said, the Clippers with Paul George coming back, mm-hmm. they have a lot to like. A lot. I know a lot of people are always saying with these teams, like they're always saying like the Warriors, well, if the, if Steph comes back, which he's probably not, he's not coming back, right? And like if, if the Clippers have Paul George come back, oh, they're a threat. They might beat the Suns. You know, all this keeps, they keep talking about this. Anthony Davis comes back, they'll beat the Suns. That's what you keep hearing. The Suns are just ready. They have their guys. Cam Johnson will be back soon. And yes. we just have to worry about what might not ever happen with these guys coming back to help their teams out. It's just a weird situation. No, I agree. Uh, and at the same time, though, you have to you have to respect aspects of who the Warriors are, because when the playoffs come, it, everything's going to be amplified. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the big storylines, if you will, is kind of the way that our MVP candidate plays, not only in this game, uh, but against the Warriors in general this season. Big Dick Booker. So you look at Booker in this game, uh, his total, his final stat line, he hits the 22 points, uh, but you know, from, from a field goal standpoint, not his best effort. He goes uh, five of 21 from the field, <laughs> you know, 22 points, 21 field goals. Not a fan of that lack of efficiency. Two of eight from beyond the arc had the five rebounds. He only had two assists, uh, 10 for 12 from the free throw line. That is where he made his living tonight. Uh, and then you take into account the way that he's played thus far this season against the Golden State Warriors. Now, granted, he played 15 minutes in one game where he got injured, uh, didn't play the next game against them, which I believe was like four nights later. And that's the one that the Warriors beat us by, I believe, 22. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he played on Christmas. But if you take the two games he played uh, prior to this one, 
You know, he had 13 points in one and 10 in another. Uh, his shooting percentage in the game in which he played 40 minutes was five of 19. He was 26.3%. You know, so he was worse tonight. Uh, and that's the one thing I will take away from this. The way that they play defense on Devin Booker is something that we need to pay attention to and would be worrisome come playoff time. They have physical wings. You saw from Clay right off the bat. I mean, Clay knocked Devin Booker right in the face, right off the bat, uh, with the physical style of play and the uh, the aggressiveness that they were doing, jumping every screen, trying to get Devin Booker off of his spots, having the weak side defender rush him, you know, to force him to where he was shooting before he was ready to shoot. So that's something that I definitely will take away from this game. You know, again, I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, the Suns didn't show their hand in any way, shape, or form offensively in this game. Okay, so I'm not worried about the Suns holistically as as you look at how they play against this team. You're not going to see anything from them this game. You're not going to see anything from them on Friday against Memphis. This is a team that's going to put forth a vanilla offense against two teams who potentially could be playoff matchups. But that being said, in the isolation opportunities that Devin Booker had, which he had plenty of in this game, he didn't perform to the level that I feel like we all wanted him to. And I think that we can officially close the book on any MVP conversation I think that we can definitely keep the book open as relative to first team NBA, all NBA though. Yeah, definitely first team. I think that's in the basket for sure. It has to be. There's not in, there's not another guy, maybe one other guy that might be above him. Um, but you know, there was, I think what happens in these games, because the ball was just not kind to really anybody on the Suns, right? There's a lot of in and outs. There was a lot of bad bounces for the Suns on the rim. It just seemed like Book had a lot of those. A lot of them were in and out. You saw his frustration yes. going into the locker room. I think he was kind of getting his shots. Even in the end, he had some good looks to really kind of seal the deal, and they just would not go in. Everything was kind of short. So I think it might just be something mental. Like where, you know, he might say, and we might say, like, oh, no MVP, I don't care. I think he really wants that. Of course he does, right? So he wants to hit those big shots. He wants to hit the two that is a dagger. He didn't score anything tonight with 20 points going into like the last five minutes. He's like, let me get to like 26, 28. It looks better. And I hit two big shots to win the game. There's an MVP case. I think that happens a lot. And I just wanted to do a a real quick thing about Booker and the whole MVP situation where I feel like everyone's trying to talk about why he's not MVP you know what I mean? Like you listen yeah. to everything. It's like, he's not because of this, because of this guy, this guy's doing this, but what books done, he's brought all of this together. If you look at it, like Chris Paul coming to the Suns, half the Suns fans didn't even want him here. Right. Too old, the to contract, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, what mm-hmm. he did. Okay. Cam Johnson comes here. He gets drafted. Who's that? I don't know. Cameron Payne out of the league comes here. I don't know. Bridges. We want the miles bridges. Miles bridges for the first two years was bigger than Mikhail bridges. So in Aiton, Doncich over Aiton, right? The work ethic of Aiton, the way he was playing last year before the trade deadline, all of this has come together. And Booker's like the, the the guy that's been the most consistent. And everyone kind of overlooks how like how he's kind of brought all of this together. Mm-hmm. And all, all these guys, yeah, you could say we barely we didn't even get any starters this year in the All Star game. We had two guys come off the bench, so that's kind of insane too. I'm just saying like there's there are things where. I hear and they're just like, he's not it. Just forget about it. But if you two look at it, man, he's a nucleus. He's the reason all these guys are here. Even Jay, he brought it all together. And this season is just because of book. He came, he's the reason we're winning 62 games. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. He is the culture. He is the, he is what, you know, Kelly Oubre kind of brought some culture to this, uh, to this organization. And it's funny because I was uh, hanging out with the Fanning the Flames guys yesterday and uh, doing a podcast with them. And we were talking a little bit about Kelly Oubre. And the only people who really have that emotional connection with him still are like the Facebook Suns fans. Uh, but Devin Booker, you know, he's at the, he's at the, he's at the base of everything that is this Phoenix Suns team. And yeah, I, you know, me personally, like I love, I love, I love the fact that Devin Booker's in the MVP conversation. It's fantastic. It goes to show you how far he's come as a player, right? But he's not the MVP. And although I've I've written a piece for Bright Side of the Sun saying he's a legitimate MVP candidate, the fact that he's a candidate is good enough for me. I want first-team All-NBA for D-Book. Yep, he's earned it. He's mm-hmm. earned it. In every way, shape, and form, he's earned it. He's hit every check mark. Yes, he had a bad game tonight. And again, I said it, you know, I, I'm interested to see that if if we have to play against the Warriors in the playoffs, how they defend this guy, because they've done a good job of doing it so far this year, you know, but he's done a fantastic job this season to the point where 
coming into this game, he need 33.7 points for the remaining six or seven games, I'm sorry, to match or to exceed Tom Chambers' record for single-season point average in Suns history. Now, granted, 22 points tonight drops that or, or increases that averages for the next six games. He needs to average 35.6 uh, points per game mm-hmm. to beat TC. So, TC, it looks like another year, uh, 32 <laughs> years running, your record is safe. But, again, that's what I think is interesting about this game is Devin Booker, not for lack of trying. I mean, he put up 21 shots. Mm-hmm. But he's buying into whatever Monty's telling him. And Monty's telling him, like, hey, listen, guys, Devin, you're not going to have these wide-open shots coming off of double back screens you know, because we don't want to show that to the Warriors. That You didn't see one of those plays happen all night for D-Book. Everything was contested because everything was ISO. So, I mean, yeah, he's still, you know. No, he, he should get first. And uh, first prime G says, unfortunately, second team all NBA book and third team CP3. I just don't know. Besides Luca, yeah, Luca's the other guard, right? Who, Jaw, yeah, he's been great, but he's been injured. The team's winning without him. Yep. There's not another guard out there. There's not. Even book. There's not. Over you book. can't say DeRozan. You can't say DeRozan because one, he's a forward, but two, if they were put him into a guard slot, he hasn't Still. had a long enough resume nor the success. The, the key thing for like DeRozan is the fact what's that stat I saw? They are like 0 and 18 against the top three teams in both that's conferences. the east that's the you know? east it's weaker than you think well right? and it's not just that you know it's it's the western conference too it's like whenever demar DeRozan and the bulls play anyone who's a top level team they don't win so that's what i meant yeah yeah when they play so, the west so yeah. i i don't i just don't see anybody else who could surpass it mario lopez says job book and curry curry won't even do it due to miss games no, i believe that no and way. he's having a one of his worst career seasons technically and the statistics align more with Devin Booker. You can't have a guy who's yes. a top four or five MVP candidate and not be on the first team all NBA. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, it would make sense for Joel Embiid, for example, if he does not win the MVP, which Joel has my vote. But if Joel Embiid does not win the MVP, he'll be uh, the all NBA first team. And then you might have Jokic on the second team because they both play the same position. You, Giannis is a forward, so he'll be first team all NBA. And that's kind of what like Ryan Rossillo and Bill Simmons were talking about on their podcast, yeah. how they, they want all three of those guys on the first team at all NBA. But there's no doubt that Booker's he's been there. He's done it. He could sit for the last six games because this team's 62 and 14. And he's led them there. He's the best player on the best team and he's led them there. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. Anybody that disagrees. I just don't understand the logic. Agreed. Sorry. Agreed. And I Sorry. don't think there's the a lot of people. Love you. I don't, I, but I don't think that there's a lot of people who disagree anymore. I really don't. I don't think there's a lot of people who disagree anymore. Uh, one guy who had a fantastic game uh, against the Warriors tonight is a guy who, you know, is he, he? he's the ultimate glue guy for this team. The Warriors. Mikael Bridges had all kinds of opportunity to score in this game, and he took advantage of that. I felt like the Warriors focused their defensive efforts on Chris Paul and Devin Booker's. They were uh, Devin Booker's, both of them. Uh, they were rushing the guards, and Mikael Bridges ties Devin Booker with 22 points. Uh, you know, they both had the high score for the Phoenix Suns, but he was mm-hmm. eight for 14 from the field rather than five for 21. So t- tell me what you saw from our buddy Mikael tonight. Man, isn't it nice where it's like, um, you know, we're struggling and Mikhail can just like really pull us through. I mean, 10 points um, in the first, like just to start the game off. And it was like he said, he was just like in the corner, just oh, <laughs> pump fake, take to the rim. And I love it. And he uses his long arms to get up under guys and, and draw the fouls. So he was doing it from three, from fouls, uh, from the free throw line. He was just, he was making sure that like he can take these, this opportunity to really not practice well, I guess practice, right? Just get into the rim different ways. Like his little fadeaway, the the catch, it didn't even come down. The catch, shoot, shot, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, that that the acrobatic, iconic. you know, yeah. Jay Crowder Nothing throwing it to net. him with like less than a second left and he grabs it and throws it in. Like, the, I mean, 
the level of difficulty on that shot alone, man. I know. Just the difficulty of moving his body around must be really tough. Like, so yeah, at the end when he like grabbed the back of his ankle, I'm like, what the f-? like that's like that's scary. But I think this guy's been the workhorse, right? He's been playing every game. He's been playing like 50 plus minutes, it seems like every game. Yeah. To make sure that he's doing it defensively and offensively for the Suns. And he he's trying to guard pool, but they would do the switches. They had like finally, double back screens to get pool open, man. They were doing yeah, everything they could no to get that dude up. open. Yeah. And then at the end, Mikhail kind of was like, all right, I'm just going to stay on this guy no matter what. And I, that was basically the difference. Like we talked about, and I've talked about where we just, he he shows up the last two minutes, the last three minutes. There he is, stealing the ball, going down for it, for laying. Like all of a sudden he's like, he just has the ball. Oh, here go the Suns, up by three now. Because yep. Mikhail Bridges is taking over the game. So yep. defensive player of the year. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's uh, what, what's interesting for Mikhail, especially offensively, because the defensive side, I mean, it, it speaks for itself. And you could see the game planning from the Warriors tonight to do anything they could to get Jordan Poole open by negating the presence of Mikhail Bridges. He had a fight through screen after screen after screen after switch. I mean, they were doing everything they can. And on the other side of the ball, and this is what benefits Mikhail, and something that will continue to benefit Mikhail throughout uh, the playoffs is – when the Suns are on offense, the opposition will always have their like fourth best defender on Mikhail Bridges, right? Your two best defenders are going to kind of do yeah. what you saw tonight. Clay Thompson is on Chris Paul or Devin Booker. Andrew Wiggins spent a lot of time on Chris Paul just to try to disrupt him with length. And then you have, you know, whoever's guarding DA, the third option for the Suns. So Mikhail Bridges really kind of gets an opportunity to cook. And in games like this, where they're doing their best to take Devin Booker out of the situation, Mikhail Bridges steps up and provides the offense necessary to keep this team afloat during those valleys in which Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton aren't being effective on offense. And he's learned to take advantage of those situations. Uh, that, that's come. That's part of that growth that we've seen this year. It's something we talked about in the offseason is how much is he going to grow offensively? We knew he was going to grow defensively, and you continue to see it, and it's fantastic to watch. It, you know, We are witnessing an amazing wing performance throughout this entire year by Mikael Bridges, but it's his cerebral attack of the game, understanding that the team is trying to purposefully take out the other offensive weapons, and he's navigating those that empty space uh, provided by those defenders doubling and whatnot. And he's he's doing it in an acrobatic way. I mean, the way that he does like the I'm going left, I'm shooting right shot. I mean, that's just like yeah, it's a patented yeah. Mikhail Bridges shot at this point. Man, uh, you know, I was thinking, or someone actually posted like, who's the third scoring option now on the Suns team? Is it DeAndre Ayton or Mikhail? Because it goes Cameron Johnson number one, Devin Booker number two, <laughs> and then either Mikhail or DeAndre Ayton number three. So yeah, who do you got exactly. Try to try to stop it. So good luck with that. You know. Um, shout out to uh, Bees in the chat. He said, Tory Craig, Craig changes this matchup. His length and athleticism gave Gold State problems in passing lanes. James Jones knew he would too. That is a great observation to Bees, one of our loyal jamsters who hangs out with us after every post game. I noted that I put this in my notes as well. The way that Tory Craig was playing defense in this game. Uh, against Clay, I love that matchup. And it's the thing that was missing when we played this team on Christmas. Now, granted, Clay wasn't on the team at that point, but we missed the length, the energy, and so it, it, it's kind of some of their own poison. You know, that's what the Warriors do. They play an aggressive style of defense with their wings. They attack the the uh, the ball, and Torrey Craig does that. And he was part of the reason that Clay Thompson had such a just bad Bad, 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 bad night. Uh, you know, you look at his final box score tonight. He played a total of 33 minutes. He was five from 21 from the field also, uh, you know, as well as Devin Booker. It's funny because you're watching the game before, right? And maybe you weren't, but it was the Celtics in the heat. And in the little ESPN box in the bottom, it's like up next, Booker versus Clay, Suns versus Warriors. They both go five for 21. <laughs> the difference <laughs> is Clay Thompson has 13 points. He goes one for 10 from deep one for 10. Now, granted, he's played fantastic over about the, I think the last eight games, they said he was averaging 22 points, but this is what the Warriors have seen a lot of this season. Haven't they, Matthew? Yeah. And honestly, uh, Torrey Craig, he's, he's another guy. I was just talking about McHill. Like, Oh, there goes McHill with the steal and the lay in Torrey Craig had a few of those tonight. Yes, he did. And I was in the first quarter. 
my notes were, and I'm embarrassed to even say it. I was like, Tory Craig, a little slow for this game, a little too slow to keep up in this game. But it, after I, every time I do that, it just backfires on me. I'm like, Tory Craig, is he? Uh, do we just rely on him for threes and that's it now? What's going on here? No, it's not that. Defense leads the offense for this guy, and um, yeah, he'll wrap guys up. He he wraps them up quickly, and he'll he's a lot faster than I thought in the first the rest of the game. So. You're right. I think he's a guy that we just kind of miss earlier in the season against them and a lot of mm-hmm. other matchups. But it's going to be interesting in the playoffs too, man. Like where he's going to fit in. I just think he's this is like his role really is just to take Precisely. on these these second or third scores and even the first scores when he's on the court, right? Coming off the bench. He's going to be someone that's really going to be interesting. He might not I'm not going to say he's the X factor. I'm just saying he's going to play a bigger role this year than I think he did last year. Well, what's what's big about the Phoenix Suns is we have like 10 X factors. You know, a big That's X true. factor in we this do. game, JaVale McGee was not playing. And I, fe- mm-hmm. I feel like JaVale McGee would have put forth a much better effort than Bismack Biombo did. Bismack only played mm. eight minutes, 40 seconds. <laughs> uh, he was a negative seven, the worst on the Suns in the plus minus. Had two points, was one for four from the field. He had four total rebounds, but he lacked the ability to keep the ball high like JaVale does. And... Because the Warriors on defense, especially in that first half, which is where he got the majority of his playing time, they they were they were collapsing on the interior. That was their game plan. Mm-hmm. We're collapsing on the interior. Uh, we're going to make it physical because Draymond Green is undersized. They are undersized. Kevon Looney, Draymond Green. This is not a large team. This is a wing team, and the Suns could adapt to that. And that's what Monty did in the second half. He goes, "Okay, uh, listen, Bismack, we we appreciate you. Uh, the Phoenix Sun, or the Suns Jam Session podcast has a great drop for you." But you know what? In the second half, you're going to get a total of three minutes played because we have to play small ball to beat this team. And there's so many different X factors because this team can play so many different ways. Yeah, but also there's games where like Bismack does come in and he just looks amazing in the small ball situation. Like before Mm -hmm. I was like, he doesn't even look like a center out there, but then he does power himself through the paint like one at times. Uh, but the one thing, of course, I think EJ brought it up where it's like, uh, you were watching ESPN tonight. I was watching, yes, I was, uh, yes, I was watching, I was watching Richard Jefferson get on his knees and blow the suns for four hours. Oh, there he is. About time. He was. Yeah. All right. Hopefully he had some pads. I think that, um, (laughs) the one thing that I really took from this was busy back needs to really focus on the free throw thing. EJ brought it up. I don't, that's going to be a pain in the playoffs, but who knows how many minutes he's going to get. Because I feel like the way it is where McGee's out right now because of like non-COVID symptoms, like I think that's just rest. This guy, we've been it is. We've been we seriously we've been spoiled with these two as our backup centers to where they played just tremendous throughout the whole season when they have the minutes. They've had a few clunkers like tonight from Bismack, mm-hmm. but it's not gonna happen. They just need some rest. And like you said tonight, I mean it's just like not all out. But Bismack, I don't think I think he only has one speed, right? Just all yes. out. Yeah, all out. And the reason I feel like he wasn't successful tonight versus other small ball lineups is the same reason DeAndre Ayton had some problems through the first three quarters. It is so funny to me how people respond to DeAndre Ayton. Like literally just like go on Sun's Twitter during a game and like he'll make his first shot and they're like, pay this guy the max. I mean, even Richard Jefferson said he's like, pay this guy the max. And then he has a few bad possessions, and they're like, this guy's not a max player. And by like the fourth quarter, when DA's engaged again and making uh, stops on defense and providing that shot deterrence that ultimately helps win this game, they're like, this guy's a max player. It's like the everything that is the DeAndre Ayton experience happened throughout the entire night of this game. And so, you know, a few things that I wrote in my, uh, in my notes. The first thing was Draymond was beer- clearly bothering him. You know, Draymond is obviously smaller. I think he's 6'8". And he just knows how to use his leverage and he gets low and he gets under DA and he pushes him off of his spots and he does so. And while he's doing, if you watch him while he does, he always puts the ball of his elbow in DA's back. So he's not only getting under him and push him off his spot, but he's, he's, you know, he's giving him a little nudge in the back that hurts. And (laughs) DA's kind of like, what the fuck, man? So that, you know, they were pushing him away from the basket. uh, And, much akin to the issue that Bismack had tonight, DA has a harder time when he has those smaller guys getting underneath him who are effective in knocking the ball away. It's one thing that Draymond Green can do. He can get under you and he can start batting the wall away and not draw the foul. Uh, one, because of reputation, and two, because of skill set, right? So I think that, you know, you look at the way that DA 
play tonight. His final stat line on the evening was pulling it up 16 and 16. He, but he was seven of 17 from the field. Okay. The first half, three of 10, you know, so that, that, that's when, you know, and then now here, this is literally the roller coaster of DA, right? First quarter, two of three from the field has four points and three rebounds. This guy's a max player. Second quarter, one of seven. This guy, he's not worth the max. You know, third quarter DA, two of three, plays all 12 minutes, six points, six rebounds. Max this motherfucker out. You know, and like fourth quarter, uh, two for four, four points, two rebounds, uh, continued playing solid. He only had the one bad quarter where he was just missing some of the bunnies. I think DA had a really solid game. I did too. And I think the thing with Draymond is like these guys when they're smaller, he doesn't like guys around his toes, you know, just down yes. there. Like what's going on. DA is very, you know, he's up and he's like holding his wine glasses high. Like he, he's like tiptoeing around. He's like, all right, I don't want to get hurt guys. Like, seriously, I think that's what he's thinking most of the game. Uh, but there were times where it's like, dunk that shit. But he had a really good night tonight. I just think when the rim's so unkind to everybody and you're that close, just dunk it down because it's not going to let you get those little bunnies. And that's what happened to him tonight. Just like Booker. A lot of those were good looks really good looks and they would just not go in. Yes. Um, but I like how, yeah, he started the game. He attacked right away, but it didn't end there. Yes. Yeah, seven for 17. Like I said before, with the backup centers, we're spoiled with those guys. We're spoiled with DA's efficiency. So when the ball's not going, it's like, Oh, it might be a bad night, but I just, I didn't see it that way. I thought it was a good night. The hustle and stuff, the, the yes. defense at the end, it, he had the defense in the end, the one defensive possession. I forget who he's going against. He got up high. He got up on the guy. And I think it was like, I think he got like a fingertip on the ball. And that was like the possession that really kind of swung the sun's way. And then yes. they got the offensive possession next to score, but that's what he does. Right. So it, no one was really trying defensively to the end. So once he has that hustle, he'll be fine. But I thought it was pretty solid offensively, except for like the, easy ones that just come yeah, go and, in. And that was kind of the theme of the night, you know, the Phoenix Suns just had, and so did the, the, uh, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they were missing layups left and right. Uh, Nicholas Tan, one of our yeah. loyal jamsters in the chat says DA was hey, defending the perimeter for two seconds and then grabbed the rebound two seconds later. Tell me that's not hustle. And yeah, that was DA tonight, 16 boards. Yeah. I mean, he, he was everything that we needed him to be in this game. Did he miss some shots? Yes. Both him and Devin Booker were missing shots left and right in this game, and still we won the game. Now, granted, a big part of that was due to our our Lord and Savior. The point I mean, Chris Paul tonight was the personification of <laughs> you like that, huh? I, every time it's my, I think it's my favorite drop. <laughs> he was the personification tonight of the vanilla offense. I mean, you look at the way that he played through the first three quarters and you know, he, he was what three of six from the field. He had seven points, seven assists in that fourth quarter alone. He has eight points and one assist offensively. He went into point God mode ends the night with a total of 15 points and eight assists, 32 minutes played six of nine from the field. You knew it was coming all night, right? You knew it was coming. When this game was back and forth the whole time, you're like, yeah, Chris Paul's picking and choosing his spots. Yeah. It's his third game back after missing 15 games, after missing a month of play. He is just executing Monty's game plan right now. Hey, don't show too much. Basic pick and rolls. You know, if DA sets the pick, just try to navigate it, find your spot, and if you can find a three-point shooter, which he found plenty of because the Golden State Warriors were collapsing on those pick and roles they were drop coverage he found a uh, plenty of three-point you know he would have had a ton of assists if the suns can make a fucking three in this game <laughs> no, you know that, and then yeah. the fourth quarter comes and he just kind of does what chris paul does and wins the game yeah but he also gave booker his chance I, I he he definitely gave booker a chance to take it over and after booker could not get those easy ones to go in and i mean easy just leaning forward avoiding defender and then have the another defender closing in on him and then still missing the shot. That's an easy look for book. I feel like nowadays, uh, but Chris Paul was the guy at the end. He's like, all right, I'll take it over. I'll get my big diaper butt down there and I'll just back these things in. And like, he got to the rim a few times, which was really nice. Um, but he just took over in the fourth. And like I said before, man, like you for, when he was hurt, you kind of just forgot he was on the team yeah, just because, because they were playing so well. Absolutely. And they were playing so bad tonight, but I still just was like, 
Chris Paul showed up out of nowhere. To me, he did. And the assists are eight because they couldn't make any. It, it's yeah. probably be the it could have been 15. 15. Yeah, 15. It should have been the 15, but it's eight because no one could make their shots. But Chris Paul, I mean, he still looks a little bit tired. He still looks like he's starting to get trying to get his groove back in there. But the rip through in the beginning, and I just had to say Peyton Jr., he's probably one of my favorite non-Suns player. He's just an all-out def- he's an all-out defender. He doesn't say anything. He never says shit. And yeah, he just I he's a really that. great defender, dude. And I think Chris Paul loves that stuff. I think Chris Paul loves the full court press. Don't you think he loves he loves no, it? No, he fucking like, hates oh. it. Do you think so? I think he loves I think he lives for the full court press and he loves like trying Man, to when, back Whenever down those I guys see full the full court. court press, I just think of the fucking finals and I get like PTSD. So you oh, know okay. it, it, it makes him spend well, energy he doesn't want to spend. So I think he loves it, dude. Well, I disagree. I don't think anybody <laughs> likes the full court press. Uh, let's see. What else did I have here? Jay versus Draymond. Okay, this was a great yeah. storyline, huh? So they both get technical fouls. They're jarring at each other the entire game. Uh, Draymond is one of those players who probably could get a technical foul after every foul call is called. Uh, and he probably should have been thrown out of this game. Uh, but... <laughs> It, it is, you know, I mean, seriously, I mean, he bitches and yeah, I mean, he had that one play where every, yeah. everybody's like, oh my God, the, the, Draymond has electrified the crowd and everybody's into the game. <laughs> it's an amazing, you know, and it's just like, he starts barking at J- in Jay's face and like right there could have been technical foul number two, but like they're afraid yeah. to do it, especially in Golden State. Had this game been in Phoenix, his ass would have been not gone in the third quarter. Yeah, and you know what's different between him and Crowder is Crowder looks the guys in the eyes. Every time everyone talks shit to each other, you know, like when Jay ran into him a little bit, gave him the shoulder, and then like Draymond flung the arm. But Draymond does not get himself up to – he doesn't get his eyes up to meet Jay's ever in this yeah. game. Jay's just yeah. looking him dead on like, yeah. what's up, man? What's up? That's just the way Jay is. Jay's yes. always been like that all season. He's always been like that to LeBron. He's always like that to any superstar. He doesn't care. He doesn't back down. And like we always talk about the fake tough guys. He's definitely not fake tough. Amen. And Draymond could get kicked out of any game, man. Like, I don't care. But he didn't get under Jay's skin at all. No. Well, I mean, did you see them jarring at each other after the final whistle blew? No, I didn't. I yeah, it. they were still going at each other. You know, I mean, nice. Draymond was was barking at him some more, and Jay was barking right back. And you could see that Jay kind of just turned around knowing, I'm not going to give you any fuel to your fire because Draymond's going to try to do anything to get himself a competitive edge in case we have to play this team in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I do like what Mario Lopez says in the chat. He says, would love him on this team. I think we, I think I would. I know Draymond. I would. I, yeah. yeah. I'd love I to have Draymond him. on this team. I wanted you know? him two years ago. Before yeah. Chris Paul. And a lot of people, you know, I hate Dre. No, uh, no cap. Uh, you know, so I mean, I, I get both sides of the argument, but, mm-hmm. you know, Draymond Green is Jay Crowder, but he's a better passer. You know, I mean, that's who he is. Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. know, and a better yeah. defender. He, he can play fives better on defense than Jay, but they have the same kind of attitude. The great thing about Jay Crowder is he is our Draymond. You talk about the different aspects that makes the team successful. You need a Draymond on your team. You need a junkyard dog. You need the guy who will talk shit and defend you mm-hmm. and defend your team. And I think that he is uh, somebody who I would love to have on this team as well. And, and yes, mm-hmm. you know, the dark Phoenix flopping like he got hurt. Yeah, he was milking that. Everyone At the end of the game, he though. was taking his time. He wanted them to go and review it to make sure it wasn't a flagrant <laughs> yeah. and whatnot. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, it's just part of the game now, I guess. Uh, Walter Lazo says in the chat, subreddits? Of You know I was hanging out on the Warriors subreddits in this one. Let's do All right. So here's what we got from the Warriors subreddit. And again, I apologize, Jamsters. I don't have a drop for this yet. Uh, I need to make one, you know. What should, I call, him, yeah. what, what, what should I call it? You know, like uh, uh, subreddits. Sub, sub, ooh, sub subreddits. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe I could call it. You know, behind enemy lines. Or... I know he, he said that last time, so that's it. Yeah. Well, no, but like it's. Then I tried to make a drop for it. And I just didn't like the way it sounded. You know, it's okay. like I don't not know the right acoustics. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> it's not the right acoustics on. So Matthew, you keep an eye on the chat. Let me know if any All good right, names come up going on. for the subreddit. Uh, but it, for those of you who don't know, I go to the subreddits of the opposing team just to see how they're perceiving the game. Okay, I'm not in there commenting. I'm not trolling. I'm just kind of seeing what they're saying. And I like to come back and report to you, the Suns fans, the Suns jamsters, on what I found. Uh, one Redditor said, sucks to say that the Suns are just at a much higher level than us at this point. Fuck. Okay. Uh, that's a good <laughs> observation. 
Uh, if we just made our fucking layups, we'd be up by 10 right now. And then the next comment under that was, we'd be up 20 if we didn't miss all of our layups. <laughs> so they were really kind of frustrated, obviously, with the fact that they were missing their layups. Just like, you know, some of the Suns fans were kind of upset with the fact that the Phoenix Suns weren't making their threes and Devin Booker wasn't hitting fucking everything. Um, that Curry injury basically earned Poole an extra $20 million this summer. That's an interesting thing, and you saw a lot of this on the subreddit. They love Jordan Poole in Golden State, rightfully so, right? Young guy, fiery guy, is kind of the next iteration. I mean, they kept calling Jordan Poole uh, Stephen Curry light, and mm-hmm. you look at his contract. He had his. Uh, he's currently making two point one million. He's a restricted free agent in two seasons. Okay, so next season he's three point nine, and then they can give him a qualifying offer of five point eight the next season. So. He's in his third year. Do you think that the Clay injury and the Stephen Curry injury has allotted Jordan Poole a big contract when the opportunity arises? Yeah, the Clay injury for sure. I think we knew by All Star break exactly what he was and how he was going to get paid because everyone couldn't stop talking about this guy, right? Even we saw when Clay came back, it was like Poole needs those minutes. Poole might be the guy that you need to put in his spot. But now that Curry's out, he's in there. But I think before that, man, everyone knew. Even last year, he looked good. Yeah. But man, the, the numbers he's putting up this year, it's just, they're insane. The point totals and how high this guy can get, he's going to get paid no matter what. And it's interesting because in that draft, well, he's been in the league for three years now. So he came in during the, was it the Wiseman draft? Was that last year? Yeah. Yes. Wiseman's okay. Last year. So yep. it was the year before when he came in the league. Yeah. Okay. This is his third year. Gotcha. Okay. Because I was just, ooh, I like that. Reddit recon. Reddit roundup. I like alliteration, so good call there, champsters. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, he's a valuable piece. And when the time comes, because here's what's going to happen is, you know, you look at Clay Thompson. Okay, Clay in this game, as I mentioned, had a bad game. And he didn't really look like himself and hasn't looked like himself. And coming back from the kind of injuries that he's had, unfortunately, it's really hard to come back from those injuries. You couple that with the fact that he's making $37.9 million this year. He's $40 million the next and $43 the next. What is going to happen is when the opportunity comes, they're going to say goodbye to Clay and they're going to pay Jordan Poole. That's what the Warriors probably will do and probably should do, yeah. right? I, I really think so. Uh, I think speak, so speaking of Clay, um, well, we'll get to some of his comments a little later. Uh, I'm a little nervous for the fourth quarter Suns, one Redditor said, which is respect to the way that this Phoenix Suns team has executed in the fourth quarter. Uh, Booker getting superstar calls, what the fuck? Tell me about that, Matthew. What's that comment mean to you? Oh, well, that's something we argue about all the time, right? Is he getting the calls or is he respected? Uh, the respect from Book is always just a thing of question. I don't know what to even say to that because obviously he doesn't watch Suns basketball. Exactly. And obviously anyone that's a fan of their team thinks anybody on their team is disrespected. That's the way you got to be when you're a fan. We should never know about the disrespect coming from the other side because there's always a disrespect. I just don't want to hear about it. Yes, and I think that... What did that mean? It, it meant that... Um, I don't know, man. I'm just going to disrespect you, fool. <laughs> Uh, no, you know, Devin Booker, you know, when you're a fan of your team, your team that you never feel like you're getting the respect you should deserve. And we've talked about it numerous times on this podcast that he doesn't get those calls. There was a call late in the fourth quarter. I think that's what predicated that comment is how, how is he getting superstar calls? Well, guess what? He's going to be a first team all NBA player that, at the end of the season. He's a three time all star. Guess what? He's been to an NBA finals. Guess what? He's a fucking superstar. Deal with mm-hmm. it, Warriors. Uh, what in the fuck? Why does GP2 get injured every single game? <laughs> So this is, and then a bunch of people are commenting on this. Apparently Gary Payton, at least once a game, is like injured. And he came back oh. in the game, so he's fine. <laughs> but that must be a running theme for, okay. you know, so. I didn't know the, that. So there you go. Uh, let's go Wiggins. No more standing at the three. Attack, attack, attack. The, the one funny. common theme throughout the night for Warriors fans was the fact that they can't stand Andrew Wiggins, how he's fallen off, how all he does is shoot threes. So the moment he attacks the rim, even if he missed it a couple times, they're like, at least he's doing it. Uh, let's see here. He's out of flow, though, man, with that offense. Well, that's, that's the problem. That's mm-hmm. the problem. Uh, if we play like we did tonight, we're beating 28 teams. So, again, a nod to the way that the Phoenix Suns play. And then there's the Clay comments. And these are literally in succession. Don't do it, Clay. Feed it to the hot hand, and you are not it. Then it was swap Clay for Igudala. Then the next, okay, Kerr should have never put Clay back in. 
And then the next, Clay, why does he think he can make those shots at crunch time and he, he misses 90% of uh, – or why does he think he can make these shots at crunch time when he misses 90% of the time at the other times? How many bad fouls does Clay have in these moments this season? What the fuck? Clay, Clay Thompson, awful. Get Clay the fuck out of there, not his game. Clay, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get the succession. point. Can you imagine if Booker won three championships and then he comes back from an injury and he's struggling? Would we say the same stuff? I don't. I don't know. I don't that. know, man. I don't, I don't know. know about some winning three championships, never winning before, and books like a Finals MVP. I mean, yeah. Clay wasn't. I'm just saying, like the guy is the second biggest contributor to the team in those championships, except for the Kevin Durant year. Years, excuse myself. And and, and what Walter Lazo says in the chat, and they said, wait till we get Clay back. And that's how they respond to everything he does. I said that too. And it I was consistent. Now, that. granted, five for 21 from the field, one from 10 from beyond the arc. There's clear frustration there, and I get it. But, mm-hmm. man, they were railing on it. It's like, dude, this guy was like your guy. This guy was everything to you guys. And like you said, like how soon we forget. You know, they've got Jordan Poole going over off, and they're loving him. And I get it. You know, I know all the reasons <sighs> why. Nice. And it is Reddit. I thought about you that know? too. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, he had an opportunity when that game was close. I think it's when they were – up after uh Devin Booker Devin Booker made some boneheaded fouls at the end of this game. He really did. You know, he he put Jordan Poole on the line for a six total free throws. That guy's the second best free throw shooter in the NBA. You can't do that. He missed a shot, he went he fouled him right away. It's like, you know, uh but after one of those plays or after one of those free throw sequences, the Suns, you know, didn't execute on one end, and Clay Thompson just chucked up a three, and that's where I think the Warriors fans lost their mind. That was the possession where they could have put themselves yeah. ahead potentially for good, and he just he didn't execute. So, but you want uh, him to make that. You want him to come back and be the old Clay. So you're waiting for those to go in. Yeah, I just yeah. I know he had one good game like a little bit ago, but just wait it out, dude. It's yep. Not your year every year, right? Chill. Amen. Amen. So just just chill. Uh. That's all I have on the subreddits behind enemy lines, whatever the hell we're going to call that segment. Um, but Matthew, do you have anything else in your notes? Let me take a look really quick. Um, okay. Right now I'm seeing Landry Shaman, like two big buckets, five points made in the third. Yeah. Um, those were big buckets. He, those that were he made. Big. Cameron Payne uh, liked him continuing to get to the rim, even with busy there for the putbacks, whatever that means. And then that's it. Those are my notes. <laughs> notes <laughs> well, recap. But, but at the same time, Matthews notes recap. I see a segment coming, uh, but no, you're right. I mean, we barely even talked about the bench. We talked a little bit about Tory Craig, a little bit about Bismack, but campaign Landry Shamit combined for 12 points in this game. Uh, what's interesting, both Tory Craig campaign and Landry Shamit all went three for seven from the field in this game. It's kind of interesting, uh, but Landry had two, three pointers ended with eight points and you're right. And I think the important thing for campaign is he was just attacking on offense and he was, yeah, I love that. The, never let those, up. Yeah. Never let up campaign. Never let up. Uh, the only other things I had in my notes were about the warriors. Uh, Bielitsa horrible first half. That guy looked lost as fuck out there. Uh, he was just fouling people and airballing Another threes. Guy, right? and wasn't he killing it? I remember the last time we played it against him, man. Wasn't he just like making well, every three? Yeah. yeah and then speak up. and then speaking of guys who beat us last time, Otto Porter, the ghost oh, of gosh. Christmas Pats. Remember, that's how we lost 80s. that game on Christmas. You know, the guy yeah. who came you know who came out there, he looks like Lionel Richie fucked Wilt Chamberlain. That's what I'm saying. He's from like, <laughs> the eighties, man. <laughs> And and he and he scored like what eight points look. in the last like five minutes and God, beat us. So I would kill for that look, dude. I'm close. <laughs> I'm close to you. <laughs> You're getting there, Matthew. Jam star of the game. All right, Jams. As a reminder, if you're watching along live on YouTube, or if you're watching this a little bit later on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button down below. Hit subscribe, join, and become an elite jamster as well. So you can get exclusive content like our start, bench, and trade. Everybody in the Phoenix Suns history who wore jersey number one. It's a great history lesson as well as a good uh, debate on who you start, bench, trade. We'll be releasing number two probably next week sometime. Uh, who are you giving your jam star of the game to in this one? I'm going to give it to Mikhail. Okay. That's simple it. as that. For your right. simple ass. All right. Well, I mean, a lot of people in the chat are, are handing it out to a lot of different players. Uh, David Ray gives it to Bridges and Booker. They're both his jam star of the games. Parker Hines gives it to the Warden. Um, Los Suns gives it to, to Bridges. CP3 from Melissa. 
uh, Crazy Luigi, either Mikhail, DA, or CP3 this time around for different reasons. The Warden for Sylvia. Uh, Jamstar goes to Michael Bridges from Scott Klaus. <laughs> Tony nice. Thompson from Alberto like Scott is the Jamstar. Incredible throw job that inspired his team. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mikhail, CP3, uh, Mikhail and Jordan Poole, co-Jamstars. Warden, um, CP3, um, Mikhail, CP3, Mikhail. I mean, that's kind of where it is. It, it's it's Mikhail for the majority of the game, and it's CP3 in the last five minutes for doing what he does. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's the best way to kind of look at that. Uh, upcoming next for the Phoenix Suns, we are playing the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis. This is a team that is currently second in the NBA in total record, second in the Western Conference, and a team that's going to be spicy. Right, Matthew? Really spicy. You know, this team is looking forward to the playoffs. Very young. A lot of anytime you talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, all I hear about is when they go into the playoffs, oh, they're probably too young, right? They probably hear that all the time. And you got the Suns team that's super young too, but going for 63 wins mm-hmm. and you're going to play in Memphis, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere. I don't care who's playing that this game. Jaws, Jaws not playing. He's out the rest of the year, obviously. And this is going to be. Maybe it's hopefully it's a better game. It'll be a close game for sure, but hopefully it's just a better game. Tonight was a close game, but it was just a shit show. Yeah. I don't want none of this again. I don't know if the Suns come out and just try to hand it to them or they just hang in there like tonight. But what does that get into you, dude? No, I'm just saying uh, tonight was like this cut water strawberry mar- margarita, which tastes like oh, shit. No, nasty, I, I, no, right? I pop, no, I popped up on a course like because yeah, you got so the nasty. cores now. Okay, yeah, okay. Th- this is what tonight's game was was shit. Yeah, Don't so I'm looking forward stuff. to a good matchup there. And Desmond Bain, that's my dude. I'm excited to see him. Just now, I'm not. <laughs> I, of course, I don't want him to do good, but I do <laughs> love that guy, and I think he could take over a game. So it's gonna be a fun game, man. I'm excited for this one for sure. Yeah, I am too. I mean, again, I think that the Phoenix Suns will be vanilla on both offense and defense, without a doubt. So I'm not expecting a huge offensive. This this isn't a statement game in any way, shape, or form for the Phoenix no. Suns. It could be for the Memphis Grizzlies, and I can see them coming out and trying to be as aggressive as possible and trying to get that mental edge. You know, note that the Phoenix Suns beat this team 119 to 94 uh, all the way back in November. And then the game after Golden State. So it's the same thing. We played Golden State on Christmas. Two days later, we played the Grizzlies. Same thing. We played Golden State tonight. Two days later, we played Memphis. Uh, that game, the the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Phoenix Suns 114 to 113. Uh, John Morant hit that kind of scoop shot game winner in that mm-hmm. game. So this is definitely a game where they're going to come out. They're going to be engaged. They have something to prove the, the Phoenix suns are a litmus test for them. And I really expect that we don't see much from the suns. I, I really don't. I, it doesn't benefit them to, I don't think the suns win this game, nor do I care if they win this game. I really don't. Right. Well, I hope I remember that. Cause I'm going to care like tonight when I'm telling DA to dunk that shit, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I got to chill out. Right. You I just want six. You can't just get 63. Let's get yes. 63 because yes. what's going to suck is if we lose this game, they're going to be like, oh, we're going to get 63. Suns might just want to get this one out of the way and then start and resting. Then, yeah. Get 63 and then start resting some guys. Do you think it benefits them to rest players? I think it does. I think you could do it. I think these guys, I think Chris Paul can maybe play 10 minutes a game or something. 10 to 15. Booker, maybe the same. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying like, the, hey, they're going to be benched. I just think No, I say less playing. minutes. Yeah. That's minutes, and yeah, it has no, to start after the 63, I think. I completely agree, and I think 63 is that goal for this team. So I think that, uh, yeah, we're lockstep in that. It's like get to 63, and then it's 20 minutes a night for your starters. And you have the depth, so play the depth. You know, yeah. you just got Iffy Lundberg. He's gonna he's joined the team. He's wearing number 19 like Raja Bell used to. Uh, yeah. Get him some minutes, man. I'll get him out there. That, get some Get some minutes. So, you know, obviously – and, and I'm not saying that you do that for the remaining six games after this one. You know, what you do is you or five games after this one, you do it for a couple there. You do it for like two or three games. You get Cam Johnson back. You get him reintegrated into this team, get him some minutes and get him ready for the playoffs. Uh, but knowing the Suns, they won't do that because they just they they never do that. So uh, interesting game that comes up on Friday. Looking forward to hanging out with all the Jamsters after that. Again, a recap. Or, yeah, they're all coming over. Yeah, we're going to your place. All yeah, right, I'm, I'm going to be giving everyone gets a cut water strawberry margarita because I will not be right when they walk shit. in, huh? Yeah, I'm like here <laughs> you go, welcome right to the, the party, bag. pal. <laughs> oh, I thought uh, I forgot I was going to read one of our Apple reviews. Yeah. I know we're running a little yes, late here, no, but you know, again, this is a reminder. 
if you go to Apple Podcasts and you give us a five-star review and then you write something, we'll actually go ahead and read it right here on the podcast. We truly appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Uh, and it tells other people what the experience is like you're having here. So this one is from DC Smith 41. He says, thank you guys. He goes, Hey, John and Matthew, I have been a Suns fan my entire life born here in Phoenix, currently 21 years old. So I got to grow up as a kid watching Nash, Marion Stoudemire, Dia, Dia, Bar- Barbosa, etc. but also spent my teenage years watching the Suns live in the basement of the NBA. These last couple years have been some of the best of my life as a sports fan, and listening to you guys after every game has made it just that much better. I found y'all originally on Spotify and started listening around the All-Star break last season. I've spent road trips <laughs> I've spent road trips going back to y'all's older shows uh, to keep me entertained on mind-numbing drives. These days, I work a desk job, and y'all's show keeps me from falling asleep the day after every Suns game. Uh, so wake up, D.C. Smith. You got work to do. Uh, You guys do an absolutely incredible job. The history, the research, the preparation before each show, the drops, everything that you guys do is is so impressive. I'm currently listening to the Sixers post-game podcast while writing this at work, and every show, it just seems to get better and better. Also, thank you guys for your pieces on brightsideofthesun.com, giving me constant interesting articles to read all the time. You're both amazing guys, and I really hope to meet you all at some point. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing, and thank you for keeping me through the road trips and work days, making me laugh whenever I'm having a bad day. Keep it up, Devin S. Uh, thank you for that review, Devin. It really means a lot. And yeah, you know, I think you. that's one of the reasons we started this podcast is something very similar. You know, we're both avid podcast listeners. I've been on those road trips. I've worked in the office where you're constantly listening to it. And you just want some fun, engaging content about something that you love. And, you know, that's the Phoenix Suns, baby. The 62 and 14 Phoenix Suns, baby. Yeah, thank you. I just just read for like 20 minutes. You got to say something. You got to help me out. (laughs) I was going to say, hey, great job reading there, John. (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) Well, again, thank you, Devin. Thank you, Jamsters, for joining us on this edition of the Sun's Jam Session podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, hit the thumbs up button down below, and we'll see you live after the Phoenix Suns take on the Memphis Grizzlies, hopefully winning a franchise record number 63. Until then, have a great week. Go home and love your family.